Hi everybody, Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. Hope you're doing well. So a uh, listener sent in this question, which is a great, great question. How do you identify a philosophy from a non-philosophy, such as mysticism and sophistry? From my understanding, he says, it comes down to two things. The law of identity being followed, and two, how a knowledge claim is made, or how a claim to knowledge is justified. Is this a good rule of thumb to use? Are there any extensions I can add to it? Well, uh, again, great question, and uh, I'll give you some uh, thoughts and tips. Uh, this comes down to the definition and nature of philosophy, so it's going to be uh, exciting. It's, it's an exciting area to explore. So first and foremost, of course, um, the question is, what is philosophy? Now, I've got a 17-part introduction to philosophy series right here on YouTube, also available uh, on the feed or at fdrpodcast.com. But I will say, of course, that philosophy is the, has the goal of allowing you to confidently know that which is true and confidently reject that which is false. And that, of course, has a whole lot of suppositions and axioms and premises built into that very definition. <clears throat> and um, in the same way, science is supposed to help you to confidently assert that which is validated in the realm of matter, energy, and the effects thereof. And um, the study of, of health uh, or doctoring is, is to prevent disease or cure it should it arise, so this, the optimum health, the optimum functioning of bodily organs in conjunction to produce a sense of well-being. Um, the, the purpose of nutrition is to find uh, foods to eat and things to drink which are appropriate to a particular level of health or athletic or, or personal lifestyle goal and so on, lose weight or bulk muscle or something like that. So all of these disciplines have a purpose, have a goal, and you can, these are very well examined in the Socratic dialogues written by Plato, so you don't have to rely on me, just go. Every discipline has a particular purpose. Now, <clears throat> philosophy is the discipline which umbrellas, or you could say is the foundation for all other uh, disciplines, because all disciplines that aim towards the improvement of something or excellence in the pursuit of something have truth and falsehood as their basis. Uh, if you don't know what is true and false, you can't be an engineer or a physicist, uh, you can't be a nutritionist, you can't, I mean, a personal trainer, you just can't know, can't know and do anything if you don't know what is true and false. So the first foundation of every, any discipline is to know what its purpose is and to know how truth and falsehood is determined in the pursuit of that purpose. So in science, the purpose of science is to discover validated truths, reproducible truths, universal truths about the behavior of matter and energy and the way that you achieve that goal is through the scientific method. And um, the same thing with, with health, uh, you know, the, the, the goal is, uh, doctoring the goal is optimum health and the way that you pursue that method is through um, the scientific method really as, as it applies to medicine, which is, you know, the double blind experiment and validation and all that kind of stuff and the knowledge of biology and, and knowledge of how viruses work and, and cancer cells work and, and knowledge of how to effectively and repeatedly and um, in a validated way disrupt or destroy negative effects on health. So all of these things are part of the general discipline. General discipline of engineering is to create sustainable cost-efficient structures in the world and the methodology is so on, right? Cost plus uh, 
uh, a knowledge of tensile strength and all that. So the purpose of philosophy is to allow you to know confidently what is true and uh, what is false. And uh, through that process, you can figure out what is moral and what is immoral, and in that process you can pursue happiness uh, through virtue, right? So uh, that's the general uh, tripartite sequence, the dominoes of philosophy, uh, philosophy. Reason equals virtue equals happiness. And um, so all of that is uh, uh, the basis. Now, the way that you know something is a philosophy rather than a lie or, or a sophistry or a manipulation or, or a scam or whatever is that um, it must have an objective definition of truth and falsehood. And so the definition of truth and falsehood in the realm of philosophy is, uh, first of all, rational consistency, and, and second of all, empirical evidence. And um, this is true for science as well. So, uh, but uh, uh, in philosophy, uh, science would not uh, study ethics in any particular manner, because ethics is not really the behavior of matter and energy, but rather uh, choices made by human beings according to universal values, or at least values claimed to be universal. But uh, morality is a proper subject of philosophy. And uh, as I've put forward in my advocation of a rational secular morality, a morality that requires neither the existence of commanding deities nor the uh, bribes and punishments of coercive governments uh, called universally preferable behavior, a rational proof of secular ethics, which you can get for free at freedomainradio.com slash free. You have to have a universal rational consistency in your ethical theories, and it's really good if they then are supported by rational evidence. Uh, all who claim, for instance, that uh, property rights would be invalid or everything should be owned collectively or we all own each other, uh, would have to explain why societies that violate property rights do really, really badly uh, in terms of economic productivity and basic human sustainability. Uh, and um, all who oppose property rights will then have to explain uh, how human wealth has exploded over the past 200 years when property rights have been more enforced. And uh, those who say that um, the religion and the state should be one need to explain why when religion and state are united, uh, countries tend to do very badly in terms of standard of living, living personal freedoms uh, and uh, censorship and all that kind of stuff. So there is a, a rational consistency requirement for ethical theories, but ethical theories also need to explain empirically uh, uh, how certain societies do well or do badly. So that I think is important, rational consistency. Uh, and since philosophy aims to describe that which is true, uh, and that which is true cannot be merely contained within one's head, because that would be subjectivism, then through universal principles, philosophy is aiming to describe that which is true outside of one's head, to link the concepts in the mind to the actual behaviors of matter and people in the world. Uh, the mind is subject to error, reality is not. Uh, I may misidentify a tree that doesn't change the nature of the tree. It simply means that I am incorrect in my naming of the kind of tree that I'm talking about. So uh, universal rational consistency, empirical evidence, first principles, which I've talked about uh, in a video and podcast here called An Introduction to First Principles, those things are necessary. And with those, 
come the second thing that you need to look for in a belief system to differentiate it from philosophy and non-philosophy is what is the null hypothesis? In other words, how can a theory be disproven? And uh, that is something so foundational to life that we often overlook it. So if I say uh, a book that I wrote is worth a million dollars, well, that's a theory, <laughs> let's say. That's a hypothesis. So then I put a book I wrote called Cease Deaf Speak, and I put it on in the marketplace, in eBay or, or whatever, Amazon. And if people are willing to pay a million dollars, then my hypothesis is validated. The book is worth a million dollars. If people aren't willing to pay a million dollars for it, then my hypothesis is, is falsified. So the question is, is there a falsifiability to the hypothesis? So if you look at something like um, psychic phenomenon, uh, people say, well, you know, I had a dream that came true. I'm able to predict these numbers. This happened. And then you say, okay, well, let's test it. Right? Then you say, well, let's test it. Let's find out if uh, your uh, psychic powers are, are valid or not. I mean, over the course of your life, you will have thousands and thousands and thousands of dreams. And uh, eventually, uh, just by the law of averages, you're going to have a dream that appears to predict the next day. Of course, you'll remember that. Um, you won't remember all the dreams that didn't come true. And there will be a time where you're thinking intently of someone and that person happens to call at the same time, right? But you don't think of all the times you're intently thinking of someone who doesn't call. So that's a falsifiable uh, hypothesis, right? You just say, okay, well, uh, I've written down a series of numbers and, and guess what they are. And if the person consistently does better than random, then that's a support for the thesis. But what you generally hear back from people who claim psychic phenomenon is it doesn't work that way. Or if there's a skeptic in the room, it doesn't work and so on, right? And all of that is a, is a desire to escape the requirement of falsifiability uh, of a null hypothesis. And uh, the same thing is true uh, in, in other spheres of uh, political influence, of, of religious influence and so on. The question is, is there a null hypothesis? Can the person's hypothesis be disproven? Is there a negative to the proof. That's an important thing. And if there isn't one, or if you say, well, how would I know if what you're saying is false? Then if the person evades that, then they're not engaged in philosophy. Uh, philosophy is um, where you go to that which is the most difficult uh, and, and the most challenging and focus on weaknesses within your own argument first, uh, because you shouldn't really put arguments out into the public sphere if you're responsible, that you have not rigorously critiqued yourself first to save other people uh, time. So um, I think those are fundamental issues around the realm of determining philosophy from non-philosophy. And the last thing that I'll mention, this is not obviously an exhaustive list, but these are useful um, approaches and they will eliminate a lot of nonsense from your life. But another one is to look for uh, adjectives, uh, argument by adjectives. And um, we're going to do um, a show on Buddhism and the Dalai Lama soon, and you'll see that there are there is this problem with adjectives. Um, and so, uh, if somebody says, "Well, you know, my goal in in philosophy is to produce excellence and peace of mind and serenity and ultimate wisdom," that doesn't actually tell you anything uh, at all. It's like having a diet book that says, "You know, inside the diet book is written." You know, the goal of, of this nutritional program is to have you achieve your optimum weight and energy and functioning through what you eat and drink. And that's the end 
of the diet book. It's like, well, okay, so you've described a purpose, but you have not described a methodology. It's like putting out a scientific theory, which says a hypothesis, which says uh, my theory or hypothesis is uh, aimed at accurately and reproducibly and universally describing the behavior of matter, energy, and their effects. Period. The end. It's like, well, yeah, but that's just a shell. There's no content. It's a candy bar wrapper. There's no actual candy in it. So when people fire a lot of adjectives at you, a peace of mind, serenity, grace, happiness, joy, nirvana, whatever it is, they are teasing you with the positive effects of a program or a methodology, but they're not actually really telling you the methodology. And that is something to be quite uh, cautious about, to say the least. So when you have an excess of adjectives, uh, particularly positive adject adject uh, adjectives, uh, to me, that's just kind of a con going on, uh, which is that um, you are being teased with all of these positive effects, but there's no sustainable, rational, objective, reproducible methodology uh, to it. So, I mean, certainly in, in my conversations with people throughout these years, I have uh, told people repeatedly that the pursuit of philosophy, particularly in a world that is uh, anti-rational in many ways, the pursuit of philosophy is certainly not guaranteed to bring you happiness and will, in fact, uh, bring you discomfort uh, in the short run. And, and I, I think happiness in the long run. But it's sort of like uh, if you've been a couch potato for a couple of years and you go to the gym, it's not going to be that comfortable for the first little while. If you're overweight or, or underweight and you have to change your dieting habits, it's not going to be comfortable in the short run, but in the long run, it produces better functioning. So uh, those are some approaches I hope that are useful in helping to differentiate philosophy from non-philosophy, from the imitation of philosophy, which is really the opposite of philosophy. And if you want to know more about those arguments, you can check out the show an introduction to sophistry. So uh, thank you everyone so much. Have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful week. We will talk to you soon.